Hi, this is Caden, and this is my daddy's podcast called Lasting Learning. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Lasting Learning Podcast. This week, we are joined by an absolutely amazing educator, an amazing man, an amazing father, and he doesn't know it yet, but mentor of mine. I look up to this guy um, because he is just real. He's honest, he's transparent, he's vulnerable, and he's just good people. This week, I am joined by the one, the only, well, not the only, but the only one in my world, Ray Porton. Ray, thank you so much for being here, buddy. Thank you so much, man. Can you just travel around with me and just whenever I walk into a room, just introduce me because I feel good about myself now. So, <laughs> Well, you should, man. And yes, I will travel around with you. Let's do it. What are we waiting for? Yeah. You know, and it's hilarious that you would say mentor because I think I told you like, man, anytime I can be chatting with you, listening to you, like I want to, because all the things that I think you represent is things that I want to be better at. Like I want to be more just willing to take chances and step out and do things and, and be, you know, outspoken like you are. So I, I appreciate you, you, you know, so. I, th- I think you've got me confused with somebody outspoken. No, right. That, that's not me. I mums the word with me, man. I keep my mouth shut. I just let things happen. I don't, I don't poke the bear. That, that's not me, man. You're, you're confused, but I, I appreciate the sentiment nonetheless. Yeah, you and I are both the ones who have to have someone in the room that'll kick us under the table. I believe we had the discussion. Oh my gosh, before. that's the truth, man. My my shins are black and blue because sometimes I just go to start talking and um, people that know me best start kicking, and uh, I take that as a cue to shut it and just let things happen. Because yeah, we, we are we're, we're both opinionated, passionate people. We've got convictions. We we have things that we stand for, mountains and hills that we're willing to die on. But we're both kind of learning when to let things go and when to go with the flow. So I'm going to pull some of that out because I know you've got some passion projects right now. I know that you've got some things that you're passionate about. And specifically at home, you've got some passions. You've got some kiddos there that I know are your world. You've got a family that you look up to and live for. So, Ray, can you just introduce yourself and all of those passions to those people that don't quite know you yet? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am... Start with, I'm a husband. Uh, my wife is amazing, 12 years. You know, anything I can do, I can only do because she gives me the opportunity and the the power and the, you know, she's one of those people that she doesn't know it, but she kicks me on the table even when she's not in the room because I'm always thinking like, all right, you know, or I'll go back to her and go, hey, so there was a situation, what do you think? And she'll just look at me and go, ooh, I went too far, didn't I? So, um, you know, she's more reserved than I am, but she she's the strength in the house, I'll tell you that. Well, well, Ray, I'm going to stop you right there because first of all, well played. You just drove my listenership through the roof right now because you know your wife is sharing this episode with everybody in her circle right now. So well played. (laughs) Keep going though, sir. Keep going. (laughs) Um, And then I got two amazing young men, little boys, um, 11 and nine. And they, I mean, like you said, they are my world. Like if you're having a bad day, my youngest one, he is the most empathetic person, person I know. Like I will walk in the house and even like put on the face of everything's good and I'm happy and everything's wonderful. And he just comes up and then 
somehow that whole night he just wants to snuggle. And it's like, he knows something's up with me. He won't say it. He doesn't really know how to say it, but he just, he's there. So um, they, Leo it is the younger one, then Owen's my older one. And they're just amazing. And I'm watching them, you know, I know the pandemic's been horrible for people and, and, and for the country, the world. I'm going to tell you right now, I feel like in so many, in a lot of ways, the pandemic was amazing for me because it, it let me refocus um, and kind of slow down on stuff and spend more time with the boys and making them, you know, more of a priority than I, I always wanted to. Um, and so it's been great. We cook every Saturday night. Um, my boys both like to cook. Uh, my youngest one wants to be the world's greatest chef. That's what he wants to be when he grows up. Um, and so we've been just exploring food and, and, you know, one of them, we, we've done it a couple of different ways. We started off, which is they picked what they wanted to cook. And then we, I wanted to like make it a little bit more. So one of them picked a country and the other one had to cook a, a food from that country or a meal from that country. And I'm telling you, like, they're not picking like a hamburger and fries. Like they're going like, you know, um, uh, udon bowls and, and katsu and, um, what I, I, I yeah. know what you're saying right now, right? <laughs> yeah, the Jap- that was Japan. That was stuff okay. from Japan. Um, okay. But I mean, like, you know, we've learned, we learned about pie floats from Australia, schnitzel, we made schnitzel and, and all sorts of stuff from, you know, Germany. And so, I mean, it's been great. Um, and then that, you know, I mean, there's only so many countries that they know about. And uh, we started to get into some that was, it was getting a little tough to find things. So um, we decided we both, we all like watching uh, guys grocery games on food network. So we, now they pick a game and the other one has to play it. So, um, you know, we went to the grocery store and the youngest one had $30 and he, that's all he could spend on all the food for the, the meal outside of the stuff in the pantries at the house. Um, the oldest one had, um, he had to pick only foods that started with S. Um, and then another one where they had to find food. Um, what was it? Oh, they had to be under seven pounds worth of food at the grocery store um, to make the meal for everybody. And it's been great. They, they've been really creative with their meals. They, uh, come up with stuff. And then, you know, watching like my youngest one, when he had to do the, the $30, he figured out how much per plate he was costing, you know, to make the meal. Um, he did the math in his head in the grocery store. And then we got home and we actually priced it out and said, okay, now if it's costing you $6 per plate or whatever, um, how much would you charge us for at a restaurant? If you want your food cost to be like 40%. And he actually did the math to tell me like, well, you would charge it, you know? And I'm like, Oh my God. So, um, it's been huge. It's been amazing. And, uh, they both did a podcast with me over the, um, the, the, uh, pandemic, um, that my youngest one wanted to do one. So we started one of, we called it living that online school life. And every week we got on and we talked about what school was like being remote for the year. And then we went back to hybrid. We, we adjusted and, um, he wants to do another one. We're just not sure what we want to do with it. Um, he wants to do something with cooking. And so trying to figure out a way to have a cooking podcast I, I don't, with, with a nine, 10 year old. So I don't know. Um, I'll tell you what, man, it, it could happen. You know, my, my kids, I've got four kids and they are YouTube aholics and these kids on, on YouTube, they're doing exactly what you're just describing. So many of our kids now are wanting to become content creators, which I think is, it's, it's amazing, right? I think, think back to four or five years ago, when we were talking about the, the digital transformation that was taking place in, in America with kids and emerging technologies. And there was this big push to have kids move from being consumers to producers, to, to, to become creators of technology, not just passive recipients sitting around vegetating on it. And I, and I feel like we've made that shift now. I, I feel like we have so many kids that are wanting to go out and become content creators right now, even if it is through the lens of being a YouTuber. 
Yep. And yet we're still saying we need kids to be creators because we're not embracing what they want to create. And I love what you just described. Your kids have created this new passion. They say that we, they want to create physical, tangible, tasty items, and they want to be able to share that experience with the world, man. Put a camera in front of them and let them go. I am, I'm going to be their, your number one subscriber if, if this thing takes off. I'm all over it. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, and I've thought about the idea of the video blogging, you know, like a vlog, yeah. you know, um, which is, I think, where we'd have to go with it. And I, I'm, hey, we're not going to turn them down if he wants to do it. Um, you know, but you're fun. You're, you're right with the YouTube stuff. My youngest one, I'll come home and instead of playing the video games, he's watching yeah. videos of people making mods and he's like i want to make a mod i want to do this and i have no idea what he's talking about like i know what they are but i don't know how and so he's like dad can we make a mod for this and i'm like dude we're <laughs> gonna have to look into that because i have no idea and so right. um you know i mean yeah you're right they, the world is so open for them right now and i think my job is just to try to expose them to as much as i can and let them pick out what they want to do and try to prepare them for whatever they want to do and so um, while they're creating food and creating stuff, they're also, in my mind, I'm creating memories that I just, man, I can't pass those up. Um, one of the blogs I just did, and I told you about it, was the blog about enjoying the journey and making that go. part of the, making the journey part of the experience. And that, it, like I wrote about cooking with my boys. Well, yeah, we could have gone to a restaurant and got just as good of a meal or maybe just as good of a meal. Um, cooking it was just, that was the, impre that was the part that I'm going to remember, not the food itself, but cooking it with them. So, um, that's, yeah, that's been, it's been amazing for me. So, um, we've been doing that. And then I started another podcast with my assistant principal called, uh, life's exponential impact. Um, we were talking about legacies and stuff and, and wanting to have an impact. And so we kind of just came up with the idea of, the, of you, a, a person, any person, in their lifetime can reach up between 10,000 and 77,000 people in first interactions. Your, your one interaction with someone, you're going to have it with either 10,000 or 77,000, somewhere in the middle of that. And if you make that a good interaction for them, and then that puts them in the mood or helps them be, make a good interaction for other people, like you can really change the world. One person with just your everyday interactions. And so we explore that and we talk about just different ways you can do that. And we, it's funny, we always kind of, him and I, somehow we always end up talking about going to the grocery store and making that like, that's like the everyday everybody does. And like, when you're at the grocery store, what are different things you do that can improve the world for the, the you know, around you without, everybody thinks you got to be like the president or a principal or a leader, a boss to be able to change the world. And really you don't, you just got to interact with the people you do and, and make their lives better and help them. And so um, been doing that. I mean, it's been a crazy cup, you know, year and a half. So I think people listening right now are already sold on why I initially called you mentor and friend, because you're, you're blowing my mind right now. And you're saying some things that number one, I can't relate with because I don't like to go to the grocery store. I don't like to cook. I feel like sometimes I am too busy to, to have fun and even to, to give my kids the time that they need and they desire, because I feel like I'm chasing so many other things. And the fact that you have you been able to prioritize? And I don't want to say slow down because those things are fast moving, but focus in on things that are of extreme importance to you is so admirable. And it's something that I need to keep getting better at. So I appreciate that you're able to, to bring that forward and, and explain your priorities and your values in a very real way. And I think it's, it's, it's also important for me to note that we've been now talking for 10, 12 minutes, and you just now mentioned that you're a principal. Like that didn't even come up in our conversation. 
you, you talked about all the stuff that you do with your kids and your family and all the, your passions and yeah. And, and your principal too. But yeah. You know, it's crazy. You know, so man, I think it was like seven years ago. My youngest one was like three. He was like four years old, I think maybe. So maybe three years old. I came home from work one day and my wife showed me a video that she had taken and it was him walking around the house with a pair of sunglasses, one pair of my sunglasses on and one of my like satchels that I carry my book bags, you know, and I, I used to use like a postal satchel type bag. And uh, he's walking around in his pajamas, but he's got his head up with his sunglasses on. He's, you know, chest puffed out. And he picks up one of my old cell phones, a old flip phone that was in the house. And he's using that and he's pretending he's dad. Mm. And it was, it was funny and it was cute, but I'm going to tell you, it was kind of a punch to the gut because his impression of dad was walking around the house, being in charge on the phone, mm. talking, taking work phone calls. And that's not the dad I wanted to be. Like, I don't want to be, I want to be able to pro provide. And like, I love being a principal and I love my job, but I also don't want my kid to think of me as the guy who's always on the phone for work. And so it really made me change my priorities a little bit where I might stay at work until 7 30, 8 o'clock at night, some nights. But as soon as I get home, the kids don't see my computer. I don't take work phone calls if I can avoid it until they go to bed. And then it's okay. Wow. Now I'll get that stuff out. Um, my my staff knows, for instance, I do not email them unless it is an absolute emergency after four o'clock or before seven o'clock the next morning. Wow. I might I might type up a bunch of emails and they they're in my outbox ready to go for, at seven o'clock. But I don't want them worrying about work. I want them to go home and unplug and be with their families. And so I try to model that. And and it was um it was my youngest one who he in in an and and he was being it was so cute. I mean it's one of my favorite little videos of him. But it also it hurt a little bit that he his impression of me was the guy on the phone working, mm -hmm. and not the guy reading or playing baseball or something like that with him. And so I've really tried to make an effort to when I'm home I'm home when I'm at work I'm at work and and find that balance. And so. On the weekends, my wife knows and my boys know, like, honestly, on the weekends, and I rarely ever have, you know, like, let them see me work. I'll get up early. I'll go to bed late. But my wife can be like, let's go to the art show. Let's go do, let's go shopping, whatever. And I'm like, I'm in, like, whatever you want. You know, like, this weekend, I'm going to take my boys fishing. My, my oldest one wants to go fishing. He wants to be out super early. So I'm like, let's do it, you know. Um, and so they know that, like, the weekends are their time. The weeknights are their time as much as I can. Such a refreshing perspective. You know, for, for so many years in my career, I used my family as a means to being successful in my job. I had my family to support me while I worked. I, I wanted them to, to champion me and cheerlead me so that I could build my career, as opposed to me using my career to build my family. You know, and I feel like you, you've already figured that piece out, that the job, you have a job so that you can have a life with your family and you don't want to sacrifice your family for your career, but yet you're still being extremely successful. You're still changing the lives of your staff and your students by modeling that expectation, right? You, you're still that servant leader. You're still there as a support and a guide and a facilitator. And you model that, especially between 4 PM and 7 AM. So kudos to you. And thank you, Google, for creating the the schedule send on our emails that you can have the thoughts at 8 p.m. and it doesn't mean you have to send it right then. Type them out, schedule it to go out later or put it in the outbox like, outbox, like you said, so you can hit send when you get to work. So absolutely, you know, and and I do believe it. I think 
as a leader, it doesn't matter what we say. I mean, you were a principal, you know, yeah. I can say whatever I want. It's what I do. You know, um, today we had a, a dumpster show up and we had to get two dumpsters full of scrap metal put into it as fast as we could. And as soon as it got here, I was on the radio to my assistant principal and my custodian said, the dumpster's here, let's go. And we all went down there and the one, my head custodian is like, I love the fact that you're willing to roll up your sleeves and do this. I said, how can I, how can I preach all hands on deck? If when a dumpster shows up, I'm not all hands on deck, you know? Right. And so, I mean, I think the modeling is where, honestly, it's, it's what's important. Um, I try hard to model whatever I expect. If I expect it from someone or if I want to see it, then I'm, I hope that that's what I do as a person is live it. And I think that's it, that, that last piece that you live it. Something, something I really appreciate about you, Ray, is I've talked about your authenticity and your transparency is you live what you just described. You don't strike me as a guy who says, putting metal in a dumpster is beneath me. So I'm going to go put metal in the dumpster so that people can see me being this martyr so that they can realize that I am willing to do anything. You simply said, metal needs to go in a dumpster. I can do that. Let's go, right? It's, mm -hmm. it, no job is beneath you. Every job is a job that needs doing and you're willing to do it. So that's awesome. Awesome. Uh, Ray, one of the things I, I want to bring up, I'm going to pivot here kind of hard, but it'll come back. I've got a plan here. I hope it materializes. <laughs> we, we talked a few weeks ago, you and I were having a conversation about the community and the town that you live in. And it's such an intriguing story to me. This, it, you know, it strikes me as just the quintessential American story. Um, it is family at its finest. It is the Ray Porton experience. Do you mind just taking the, the, the listeners right now through this journey that, that I hope you know what I'm talking about, the conversation we had where you were telling me about your town and your family and all the pieces yeah. and the dots. Okay. So um, for, I, I live in or Island Lake, Illinois. Wakanda, Illinois is the like the high school. And um, uh, generations of my family have lived here. Um, and so the subdivision that I live in is an unincorporated little nook in Island Lake um, called Porton Subdivision is kind of the, the locals call it. Porton Subdivision. And Correct. your name is what again, Ray? Ray Porton. Okay. Yeah, oh. I just want to, just want to clarify this. Okay. Keep going. And so, so, and the main reason why it's called Porton Subdivision is the main road that goes into it is Porton Road because it was my great grandparents or great, great grandparents driveway. Um, uh, when they lived there, they had a farm um, and it was their driveway. Now, there's all sorts of rumors, speculation, I, you know, uh, in the family of how, you know, how that occurred. My favorite, so the one I, I go with is that my grandpa uh, won a bunch of the farmland in a poker game. And that became, um, that became the land that, that our house, our family owned. And, uh, and so then over the years, the, the lots have been divided up amongst all the grandkids and great grandkids. And so like, I live in that subdivision. It was a, a, in a house that my dad built. Um, when I was in seventh, between seventh and eighth grade, we built the house. Um, and I say we, even though I was only in seventh grade, because that whole summer, my dad, he was a carpenter. He would drop me off at work or drop me off at the lot, which was a wooded lot um, on his way to work in the morning with a cooler and a frozen jug of uh, water, uh, a milk jug frozen full of water. And he'd tell me he'd be back when the, uh, when he was done working. And all I had was a machete and a weed eater um and and a handsaw and i had to make piles of brush that needed to be tr uh, trimmed up and taken down so we could build the house so um i'd i'd work out there all summer and uh you know i mean my dad 
uh, just my dad, when you talk about hard work and, and living and being the person that you say you are, that was my dad. Um, that is my dad. He's, he's still around. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I, for years used to work for him, um, over the summers, he would take me to work as a, as a laborer on the job sites. And, um, every day I'd get in the car after a full day work, I'd be exhausted. And he'd look at me and goes, you're going to college, right? And I said, yep. And he'd say, make your money with your head, not your back. It'll last longer. Mm. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, when, when, you know, one of my goals has always been to go to college. My goal was to pay my way through college. Cause I know I had two younger brothers. Um, and I got a scholarship that paid for most of college. And then I became an RA to pay for the other half. And so my parents didn't pay for college for me, which, you know, was a huge thing to me. It was an accomplishment, something I wanted. Um, and then, uh, the other part that I know you're going to talk about is the football field. My grandpa, so my dad's dad. Um, so my grandpa's name is Raymond Walter Porton. My dad's name is Raymond Walter Porton Jr. I'm Raymond Albert Porton. And so my dad changed the middle name thing that would make it easier. Then I wouldn't be the third, um, which actually made it so much more confusing because people would call the house and say, can I talk to Ray Jr. Speaking about me because I'm the, the younger one. And I would hand the phone to my dad or my mom would hand the phone to my dad. And then, or they'd say, can we talk to little Ray knowing that my dad was, you know, so it was just, it was always <laughs> confusing. Um, but then my grandpa, um, he worked for years as the head of maintenance and uh, operations for the uh, maintenance and grounds for Wakanda school district. And the football field was his pride and joy. The man never took a sick day, never took a vacation day, except for, uh, in the fall, he would take a week to go deer hunting and he would take a week to go up for white bass uh, run in Wisconsin to fish. Hmm. Um, outside of that, the only days he took, unless he was direly ill, was he would take the Thursday before every home football game off. He would take a vacation day. He would go in and cut the grass of the football field that day, line the field. But since he was on vacation, nobody was allowed to bother him so he could do it without being bothered. So if he was working, he had to take phone calls and stuff. Um, and so when he was, uh, he, he got, he had gotten lung cancer and when he was still, he still, he worked the day he passed away. Um, but he was working, they named the football field after him as Raymond Porton football field. Um, I never got to play on the field after it was named that I played on it prior to that. My dad played on it prior to that, but both my brothers got to play football on that football field after it was named after him and my cousins get to do it now. Um, and so it's, it's it's something I take a lot of pride in. I, it's hilarious because people are like, well, you must be, no, that's not named after me. That's named after my grandpa. Like I don't ever try to claim credit for that because I didn't do anything to deserve that yet. Um, but you know, I mean, that's kind of that idea of legacy when we talk about it. Like I, I want to have an impact on the world enough to leave a legacy. And I always joked that to me, like after seeing it happen with my grandpa, that's doing something so passionately for so long that they name it after you, you know, whatever that is. So um, that, you know, that's one of those pipe dream bucket list things that at some point somebody says, you know, what, we're going to name something after you because you've, you've done so much for us. Not because I really want my name on something, but just because I want to know that I had that big of an impact. Wow. 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 It, it, you know, <laughs> that, that story is such a cool story. And I think I'm, I almost appreciated it more the second time hearing it just now than, than when we, were, we were talking about it originally. You know, this idea of at the beginning, I talked about you're not the only Ray Ford, but the only one in my world. And I said that, you know, I, I look up to you and the way that you carry yourself is so impressive. You know, hearing, hearing this town, Wakanda forever, right? It's Wakanda is a small, small region of the world. 
but you are growing your impact beyond your region right now. You are reaching out to people who live 1,200 miles away, to people across the country, across the world, are hearing this story. And it's a story not just about a small town man and um, a high school football team and a high school football field. It's not about clearing brush and work ethic. It is. It's about legacy. It's about lasting impact. It's about modeling with your actions and not your words. It's about practice makes perfect and then uh, creates replication, which creates mimicking. And the fact that so many people are copying behaviors of other people in a positive way because of the legacy being laid down, not just by you, but by your father and your grandfather, and eventually your kids who are already following in your footsteps because they're spending so much quality time with you on a daily basis. Ray, this is, it's, I'm almost tearing up inside feeling the charge and the challenge for things that I need to do as a dad and as a man, as a, as a leader to go out and truly be all the things that I profess to be. You live it, man. You are, you're doing it. I do want to pull out one word though, that you said, and I, I have a question. It's, it's a small word, but it's an important word. When people ask you if the field is named after you, you say, no, I'm not going to take credit for that because I haven't done anything to earn that yet. Mm-hmm. Yet. What else could you do, man? You're, you're doing it all right now. What yeah. else do you feel like you still need to accomplish? So I don't, I, when I say yet, it's because it's not a one, I don't believe anything should be a one-time thing. Like I want to, I want it to be a consistent thing that that, that's me consistently that it's Mm. every day. Um, you know, man, I worked in Gray's Lake 12, 15 years ago and the year, one of the years they, I worked there, they did the uh, Disney model of customer service was the big push. And so basically the idea though is down at Disney um, resorts and the theme parks and stuff, if you're a character or you work there, if a customer can see you, they consider you on stage. Whether you're passing, cleaning up the park as a custodian, whether you're um, the CEO walking through or whether you're one of the characters dressed up and you're on stage. And, you know, I don't know why, but that, that hit me so much where that's been my motto when it comes to life is who do I want to be? And at Disney, if they see you out of character where you're not acting your character when you're on stage, you're gone. Like they don't, they don't play games. You could be sick if you're princess, whatever. Um, I don't know what Jasmine, princess Jasmine. If you're princess Jasmine, you're sick and you're coughing all over and looking ill and looking sad. You're, you're gone. They, they'll fire you for that because you're not acting your character. Mm. And so to me, I, that's what I want to do. I want to, I wanted to figure out who I want to be and then every day be that person. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm that person all the time. There are days when I struggle. One of the biggest punch to the guts I could get from a student or a staff member or even my boys or my wife is to look at me and say, something looks, you know, you look like you're upset. What's wrong? You look like you're having a bad day. Cause that means I'm not putting on the, 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 who I want to be. You know, I don't want my stress to come out towards other people. So, um, you know, like I, I really try. And so like, I've said that when I come to work, I am, I'm, I'm intentional about who I want to be. I am, I am the goofy, fun, caring. I'm here for you, supportive. I'll drop anything to help you at all times um, person. Now that conflicts sometimes when I have to be the tough boss, because then I, you know, like I sometimes have to kind of change a little bit, 
But even then I try to make sure that they still know I care about them. I'm there, but you know, sometimes I got to do things I got to do. Um, so I, I, to me, when I say yet, it's because I'm, I mean, I'm 42 years old. I, I haven't done enough consistently long enough to leave that. Like this is, that's something I deserve. I don't know. That's just my opinion out of it. Well, when you get to my age, Ray, but okay. So a couple of weeks ago, I, I had a, a conversation with a, a friend, Jillian Du Bois. I don't know if you know Jillian or not, but um, yes. it was a, it was a, when we went deep in this conversation and we're basically having a, a, a therapy session around the idea of who are you? Who are you exactly? Like being able to answer who are you as a person is one of the most challenging things for me to do as an individual. If somebody says, but who are you really? That really part, it adds this extra variable to the question. Because, you know, in, in this, what you just described is this consistency of being the person that you want to be. Consistency in being the person who is an optimist and a cheerleader and a champion and, and all of those great attributes that you just described. And you added a new little twist to this thing that I've been reflecting on for the last couple of weeks now, because you, you mentioned this idea of being intentional and having to choose to be this person that you want to be is, can you still be you if you have to choose to be you? And I don't even know if you have the answer to that because my mind is just like, right now, it's like spinning right now. Sometimes the me that I am in the moment is not the me that I want to be. It is the me that is irritable. It's tired. It's lazy. It's, and I do want to be better eventually, but in that moment, I'm not. So are you, do you put yourself in this place where you're not putting up a front, you're not putting up a facade, but you have the belief that if you act better, you will be better. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, we, we both, I know I admire, and I know you do too, Lindsay Titus. Yeah. And she'll tell you every day, you have the choice to be who you want to be and look at the world the way you want to look at yourself the way you want to and everything. So I do think you have the choice, you know, like I'm a huge sports fan. I know you like sports. And mm -hmm. I remember, you know, like you'll see things in sports um, where an athlete in the heat of the moment will do something, will spit on someone, will kick somebody, will hit somebody, whatever. And, and they want to use it as an excuse of, well, that was the heat of the moment. That's not who I really am. And I always argued, no, that is exactly who you are. Like that, like that's when you don't have the ability to put up the front of who you want to be. Mm. And, and so then I look at myself and go, okay, when, when push comes to shove, who am I? When I'm in those high intense things, I think that's who I really am. And I do think that usually I'm the optimist who's going to work through and going to do. Um, I, I think I've learned that from uh, my dad. It, um, whenever there was like a death in the family or something, and it could be someone that we were super close with my grandma or, or someone like that, or someone, a cousin or something. It was funny. I always noticed that my dad and I always, and still to this day, we are the ones who take on the role of like, okay, we'll organize, we'll take things, we'll support everybody else. Even though I know my dad or I are struggling through, like, that's just who we and I think that's when you see who people are, like when their times are, they're tough, when they're at their lowest, you know, um, the work doesn't always go well for me. There are times where I get, you know, in trouble with my bosses. Um, and it's hilarious because even when I'm venting about being upset about being in trouble, I'm always like, and people will tell me like, stop, I'm always the one going, but I know they mean well. And it's like, but I know they, you know, 
um, even when I'm frustrated, I'm always looking at what's the positive and things, what's the best, you know, good about people. And so I do think, I think that is to who I am, but then I think if I focus on making sure that that's who I'm being all the time, the, I'm taking those good qualities that I think I have and I take those and I'm accentuating them and focusing on them and being intentional with them. Then, you know, like you said, practice becomes who you are. Like how many times do you have to do something before that becomes habit? Well, if you constantly are trying to be that same person, then that is, you can become who you want to be. Um, you know, so I do think that there is an intentional, there is a decision that you make. Um, you can get up every morning and be upset that you're getting up and having to go to work, or you can get up every morning and go, I'm lucky enough to have a job and I'm going to go make an impact and do the best I can. And like, I don't care what your job is. You have the opportunity, you know, um, you know, I, I look at, you ask me, right. If someone asked me who's the most important person in this girl, I'm gonna tell you it's the secretary and the custodians. And, and I love teachers. I was a teacher. I think they have such an important job, but guess what? Try to run a school without a secretary or custodian. Just try, try to have an assembly without a secretary or custodian. It's impossible. I can't pay anybody. I can't get people in. I can't organize the, you know, like I can, but like I, the, the, even that, like there are times where like custodian, um, I need to have an assembly. Can we pull down the bleachers? Um, do you know how to use the machine to pull the bleachers down? Like, I mean, like something that you would think has no bearing, you know? So um, it, it doesn't matter who you are. You have the ability to have the impact on the people around you. My, my lunch lady here in the building, I love Francis. She's amazing. She is raw. She is like kids, but my kids, they love coming to school so they can see Miss Francis. The, the, and she, she, she passes out lunches to them and breakfast to them. And they love Miss Francis, you know, like the literally kids want the reward of being able to go work with Miss Francis for 20 minutes if, during their recess. You know, and so she could choose to say like, no, I'm just here. I don't want it. But she chooses to have, interact with kids the way that she wants to. And so um, I just think you people make decisions and you have it every day to be who you want and to make the world the way you want it. And um, I choose. I, I really do try to. And and I'm not going to say I'm perfect. There are times when I have bad days. There are times when people, you know, when I'm cranky and I'm tired and everything. And I think the important part is figuring out how to how to address that with yourself, not address it, but like, I know if I'm feeling in the mood or down or low, um, I'm either a going to find time to spend with my family or I'm going to, if I'm at work, that might be the day that I close my office door. I turn on some music and I just work. But most of the time, if I'm at work, I'm finding a first grade classroom to go sit on the floor and listen to what the kids are doing and, and be a part of that. And that energizes, you know, so it's trying to find those things that you do. People exercise, not me, but people do. I hear, um, you know, I mean, people do whatever they do. And, and it, I think you have to realize what that is you do and then give yourself permission to do it. That's mm -hmm. something that I've struggled with is when do you say, I need this, so I'm going to do this because you know, it might be taken away from something else from that you should be doing or that you feel you should be. Um, I'm a huge proponent of self-care, but I don't always take care of myself. And so um, I, that's something that I've really had to focus on of, you know what? No, I'm going to take 10 minutes to do this, or I'm going to go take care of myself. I'm going to do whatever. Um, I think that is something that, you know, I'm still struggling with, you know, and working on. Wow. 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 So when, when I'm describing you, all I think of right now is amazing. I, I mean, everything you just said right there, so powerful, yet so practical. When, when you have a podcast, 
you know, you get engaged in the conversations. And then after the conversation is done, you go and you, you start doing some of the editing by adding the extra layers to it and you publish it. And if I'm being very real, in most instances, I don't go back and listen to the entire episode again. I listen to pieces of it or I'll put it up there and I'll, and I'll respond to the dialogue, but I can remember most of the conversations. But there have been a few exceptions to that rule for me. In the course of my podcasting journey of episodes, I have gone back to and listened to repeatedly. Melissa Bernstein, one from uh, Doug and Melissa Toys, Melissa and Doug Toys, um, Todd Whitaker, Adam Welcome, Ray Porton. Ray, <laughs> wow. I'm telling you flat out right now, I'm, this is one that I'm going to have to go back and listen to and listen to while I exercise. I know it's form, but I, while I'm exercising, while I'm going for a run, because you're giving me so much to ponder and reflect upon. The theme of this is really, who are you? You are your legacy. You are your grandpa's grandchild, your dad's son. You are dad to two amazing kids. You are a husband. You're also a principal, but you're a legacy maker. You're a destiny shaper. You have so many components to who you are. And I think the, the part that I have struggled with over the last couple of weeks, months, years, in my journey to identify who I am, I, I've been looking for a singular definition. I've been trying to find that one thing that defines who I am. And what you are clarifying to me in such a real profound way is that you have so many layers of who you are. And amongst those layers, you prioritize, you focus, and you accept that who you are now is not who you're going to be tomorrow. And man, there's so much power and truth to that, Ray. I, I appreciate this conversation so much from a selfish lens. So good. I, I mean, wow. The, some of those names you threw out there to be named in the same <laughs> breath as those people. I'm amazed. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't have with all the answers and I'm, I'm a work in progress. I, without a doubt. Um, but I, you know, I think it, it's okay to be, and I just try, I, I think that's all I can do is just try to be the best I can all the time. You know, it's good. Um, it's exhausting sometimes, <laughs> but it, you know, like I, but I also find if you're, if you're trying to be who you are doing what you love, like getting up and going to work isn't hard for me. Cause I love coming to the job, Yeah. you know, um, staying home with my boys and cooking dinner. I, I love it. I love cooking dinner with them, you know? And um, so I think when you, when you're doing the things you love and if you can find ways to do that and, and survive, you know, financially and all that kind of stuff, then life, life becomes easier to be who you are. For sure. And yeah, I, I want to re rearticulate this. Your goal in life is not to find success, but to find consistency. And that is hard. Consistency is so much more difficult than success. Because consistency takes time, patience, effort, energy, and that laser focus to do it time after time after time. And I feel like on my magical whiteboard I have next to me with all my goals, my ambitions, my dreams, consistency is going to go to the top of because of this conversation. So I don't know if I'm stealing your thunder right now or not, Ray, because no. you know that you know you get to that point in every episode here where I ask my guests for that mic drop moment where they're they're going to say the thing that's going to change the, the course of the world. It's going to stop the world from spinning on its axis. You've said so many mic drop moments throughout this where my jaw is dropping. I've got notes galore all over my desk right now, sticky notes, and my whiteboard's about to just be filled with Ray Portonisms. But I'm wondering if you could sum it up, if you could say, here's my mic drop moment that I want people to take away from this conversation, not the Schmidt mic drop, the Ray Porton mic drop where would you go? You know, and you, you, you gave me a heads up that I was going to have to do this. And the funny part is, is I don't, 
I, I don't know what I would say because I don't think I have the answer. So I, I think if I'm going to say like, what do you know, what do I live? For? And to me, then it's like, what do I live for? Like, what is my, and it, it's to have a, find out what way you can have a positive impact on your world and do it because I'm going to tell you the impact that that's going to be um, is going to be greater than I think anybody can ever imagine. It's, it's there, nothing is too small, you know, nothing is too small. And so trying to find out what you can do in your everyday life, just to, just to make the world better, make someone's world better, make yourself, maybe it's make yourself better. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying today, I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to carve out time to make sure I'm doing the things that I need to do. Um, and so, you know, like, because if you're doing that, then you're going to, your interactions with other people are going to be better, you know? So, I mean, I think that's my, that's where that whole idea with our, our, our podcast with John and I, I mean, that is it, you know? Um, so John and I talked about doing the podcast and we wanted to come up with something and we, I came up with legacy. I wanted to, you know, I was trying to go all big and like, and, and, and it was, it was just because I wanted, I felt like for a while I wasn't having the impact that I wanted to. I wanted to find a way to expand my impact. Um, and, and it partially because, you know, the teach better team, I'm around all these people who are like writing books and, and doing all these things. And I'm just amazed all the time. And, and so I was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to give this a shot, but you know, we've had people listen to it. We've had people talk about it. I've got to go on a ton of podcasts with people like you, who I respect greatly. And like, I'm amazed that I get to do this podcast. And then I'm going to be honest though. You know what the biggest, um, kudo to the podcast was, is I filmed, we recorded our first episode. I came upstairs. I was telling my wife about it. I was all pumped about it. And, and I, I'll be honest. I don't think my wife has listened to one of my episodes. Um, that's just not her thing. And I, that's fine. Um, but you know what? We're sitting at the kitchen table talking about it at dinner. And my youngest one says, dad, I, I want to do a podcast. And I said, all right. And I just thought he wanted to use, I get, went out and got a nice microphone. You know, I thought he wanted to do that. And I was like, do you just want to play with the microphone? He's like, no, I want to do a podcast. I'm like, well, why? And he says, cause I want to change the world too. I want to make it better. And I was like that, that like, just like, oh my God, even saying that I get myself chills because that's what I want to do with my life. I want to leave a legacy that makes the world better. And if my son is saying that that's what he wants to do because he watched me just do my own podcast, then, then I feel like I'm doing it. And so I think you just got to always find your thing and figure out how you can do it. You said you didn't come equipped with a mic drop. You nailed it though, sir. You nailed it. Your legacy is in your living room. You know, it's, it's the people that are sitting around the dinner table with you. That's your legacy. And you're right. There are so many people out there writing books nowadays. There are so many people out there doing all these things and growing their social media platform, which is, which is good, which is great. But you, sir, are changing the world. And I, I, I want you to, to recognize that and own it because your story of changing your world is changing my world too. And you're, influencing your two kids, which is going to influence my four kids. It's also influencing the kids of all the people listening to this. And the next generation has been changed because of the stories that you told today, Ray. So, man, I, I, I appreciate this conversation. I appreciate you finding time with all the other priorities that you have to, to share your story with me and with all these listeners. And man, I, I just appreciate you. You are the real deal. You are a game changer, and I am so incredibly proud to, to call you one of my friends, man. So thank you so much for doing this today. Thank you, and I'm telling you, I, I appreciate you. And, and again, I echo, like, man, to call you a friend is just, a, just an honor. Um, 
and and it's it's been a wild ride so far i just can't wait to see what else we got going let's figure something out man it's been fun i appreciate you and uh i'm sure i'll talk soon yep thank you thank you so much for checking out this episode of lasting learning interested in learning more feel free to check out one of my books like making assessment work educators who hate data but love kids or bold humility or it's like riding a bike how to make learning last a lifetime just visit schmidt.net for more information or feel free to check out amazon <laughs>